is Monday, November 7th here in Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to the Week 9 recap episode of the podcast. I'm your host, Matt Schaff. In fact, with me again is Adam Krautwurst. Adam, it seems like we're probably the pair to start off the week that's leading up to the first game in Germany, right? You got Schaff, you got Krautwurst. I mean, who else could you be with, right? <laughs> that's right. We should get our plane tickets ready. I'm sure I've got family in the motherland waiting for me to come, to, to, to come home. That's right. We got to rub the lion noses. Apparently I was watching NFL <laughs> good morning football on the NFL network. And that's what you do for luck over there. But we're looking back in week nine before we look ahead to week 10. We got plenty of time to do that this week. Looking back on Sunday's action. We had the chargers barely sneak by the Falcons with help with lots of help from Taquan Graham on the fumble mm. recovery that then turned into its own fumble. But more importantly for fantasy purposes, we had Cordero Patterson return to this game was matched in playing time by Tyler Algier. I would think that that changes some going forward. I would think we get some more Cordero Patterson as he gets further removed from, it was a knee injury for him, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, he looked, he looked great too. I mean, he truck sticked somebody on a touchdown uh, at the end of the game there. I forget who it was. You, you, you'd probably know you're the IDP guy, but uh, he truck sticked somebody for first play of the game. They line him out wide as a receiver, get him on a nice little hitch route. Um, ends up with two rushing scores on the day. So he looked, he looked great. And like, like you said, there, um, he was a full participant, but they'll, they'll, they'll ease him more back in, maybe take some of that Algier, uh, work away from, from Tyler Algier, who also looked, you know, looked good. He had a nice long run, breaking tackles. Not that he is a great running back, but you know, he gets, he gets the job done there. So, um, yeah, it was nice to get CPAT a bit back in the lineups. I was annoyed to get a successful day from Tyler Algier because I started, uh, I picked up Deion Jackson to start him over Tyler oh, Algier yeah. in our <laughs> Dynasty League and FFPC. But uh, it's not the only league where playing Deion Jackson came back to bite me. We'll talk about him more in a little bit. So, yeah, I would expect a little bit less playing time for Tyler Algier. We did have Caleb Huntley playing, trailed those two guys by just 10 snaps. Avery Williams is also involved. I think we'll get some more Cordero Patterson, but it is worth keeping in mind that this is probably going to stay a committee going forward for a team that wants to run the ball. Um, Patterson only got eight of the 23 total routes among Falcons running backs. That has been an area where they have not used him as much as we would like. You know, we, we've only gotten a small sample so far this year. It was something he wasn't doing a ton of last year versus Mike Davis either. So I, I would, I would guess that we're going to continue to not get quite as many Cordero Patterson routes and targets as we would like. Yeah, I, I hope that's not that's not the case. I don't even care about like overall touches, and I just want him to get the valuable touches, the goal line work which they give him, the receiving work which he, which he got he got some of. I think he'll get a little bit more involved in the receiving game as far as like the short screen, you know, stuff intended for running backs, which which would be great because you know he's obviously the best back to do it there. And um, but so I, I, yeah, I mean, I don't even care about carries at all, except for the goal line carries. I mean, look at like like Damian Pierce, who had like 30 carries for 139 yards and no targets, no touchdowns, no nothing. It's like you want you want targets, you want catches, you want goal line carries. Yeah. And he got those, as you mentioned, two short yardage scores in that game. So no complaints if you played Patterson in his first game back. They've got Carolina next on Thursday night, which should be another matchup in which they can run the ball plenty. And, uh, you know, a riveting matchup to kick off (sighs) of the NFL schedule. Bears after that. So he should be usable there as well. A tougher matchup with the commanders in week 12 to be aware of as a Patterson owner. We'll see if Damian Williams 
makes it back into the lineup anytime soon too. He's been out since week one with a rib injury, which I've never heard of before. So I don't know. I would assume he'll be back at some point, but I haven't read anything specific either on the passing side. We actually got seven targets from both Drake London and Kyle Pitts in this game. Three catches for London, though, two for Pitts. So, I mean, they might as well not have gotten those targets. Yeah, you, you know how I feel about expected fantasy points. Pitts, Pitts was a huge uh, winner in the expected fantasy points and the air yards yesterday. Over 200 at air yards. Uh, you know, Mariota missed him on a wide open 70-yard touchdown. Like, that's one of the ones where, like, it comes up on the red zone. You sit up in your seat. All right, he's dropping back. He throws it. You see Pitts on the screen. Your day's about to be made, and it's just eight feet behind him and 10 feet in front of him. Like, what is going on? Also had a, a, ran a nice corner out. Guy was draped all over him. Uh, ball was was uh, out of bounds a little bit. Um, 30% target share for him. So, again, you can't ask for anything more really in this offense from him as far as target share and air yards and all that stuff. It just, it just didn't happen for him yesterday. And London's probably, I'm going to hate to say it, but London might be droppable at this point. <laughs> yeah. Just because of the situation. Cause they just, they yeah. don't, they don't want to fix it. His issue is target share, but they don't want to fix that issue. So it's, yeah. I, it, if he, I wouldn't be shocked if he has a good game or two somewhere between sure. and the end of he's season. good, but the, when you're making the decision, it's, am I scared that I'm going to miss out on something big? Is he all of a sudden going to start getting eight plus targets every week? And no, he's just not going to. Right. And if you held him through the by Mageddon, like at this point, like there's this, you know, you've going to, you're going to have room for him moving, moving forward. So yeah, like you said, it's, it's, it's not going to happen for him this year, but he could certainly score because he's, because he's good. I wonder how far we are away from somebody starting up an expected points league where you get those yes. air yards, you get those targets, you get um, points for where they're getting touches, you get uh, pass points interference for, points. Yep, drawing pass interference. <laughs> I, 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 there's some nerd that's going to put that together, and other nerds are going to praise it, and there's going to be this tiny little niche that plays it. But I, I can respect it for whoever does get it going. I'm in. Kick out me in. Justin Herbert on the other side, just 5.7 yards per pass attempt, which – Disappointing to me because I thought it was a decently easy bet to take him in the underdog pickums, knowing that he didn't have Keenan Allen or Mike Williams for the first time in his career. Didn't pay off for me. Oh, well, Josh Palmer did 10 targets, eight catches, 106. Austin Eckler, nine targets, caught seven balls, 24 yards, scored touchdowns again. Eight targets apiece for Gerald Everett and Michael Bandy. Just kind of meh production from both of those guys. And Everett, like... You, you can't complain too much about getting eight targets, but he was just fourth among chargers and routes trailed Josh Palmer, Deandre Carter, and Michael Bandy in that category played nine plus fewer snaps than all those wideouts. Uh, also had Trey McKitty, Richard Rogers factoring in ran a route on just 77.8%. So, I mean, that would be a fine rate in general. I would have liked to see Gerald Everett get more than that in a game where they need the pass catching help though. I'm a little bit disappointed that he didn't, and I, I'm going to also treat it as maybe a warning signal for once Donald Parham is back on the field that we've seen spots already where Gerald Everett's exposure dips a little bit, and that's going to hurt his target count. So he's I'm not saying we drop him. I'm not saying hurry up and trade him because who's buying that level of tight end. But it's something to be aware of as you're making tight end decisions going forward. Yeah, he's he's definitely above a streamer at, at this point. I mean, he did get eight targets, and he dropped a, a massive game. There was like a 30-yarder over the middle of the field. It was wide open, and it just 
dropped it right, right, right in his hands. So he could have had a, a really big day. It could have been six for not really big, but kind of like could have been six for 60, you know, 12 fantasy points, you know, in regular PPR, uh, 15 in, in, uh, tight end premium. And then you're, you know, we're not having any type of conversation, but, um, yeah, when you have a game where you're, there's no Keenan Allen, there's no Mike Williams, you're hoping that he can absolutely smash, you know, a lot of times, you know, with tight ends, it's just like who scores, right? Who's going to score that touchdown. Everyone's going to, everyone's going to get five targets and which one is going to be in, in the end zone. So, um, it's a little, little disappointing for sure, but at least he didn't, he didn't kill you. Um, you know, you talked about Josh Palmer earlier. He's a low end wide receiver too. When they're without Keenan Allen, when they're without Mike Williams, he's he's probably a wide receiver three. When one of those is, is there, you know, he had a, he had a decent game yesterday. I mean, if if you started him, you were happy about about what what you got out of him. So fine for Palmer. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll see we'll see how what the health of this team is moving moving forward. James Mitchell and Shane Zilstra. That's the answer. Those are the tight ends for touchdowns this week. Have to. Before we leave the Chargers, Isaiah Spiller, seven carries in this game. He had just played four total snaps previously, one carry in week seven against Seattle. So it looks this week like Isaiah Spiller is the second Chargers running back because, I mean, that's all you're chasing here. Nobody's looking to use a second Chargers running back, but we all want to know who is the handcuff in case Austin Eckler goes down. Isaiah Spiller was the guy working second yesterday. I can't say for sure that means he would be the next guy up. And I still remain not particularly a fan of Isaiah Spiller, but if you're in a deep enough league where those are the guys that get picked up every week, you know, be aware of that playing time and exposure for Spiller this week. Yeah, exactly. We talked about him in the deep end last week, uh, Mike Chopin and I, and, and Mike was on, was on picking up Spiller as a, what the heck kind of pick up. If you, if you got a roster spot, a lot of guys went on IR last week. So you had some room. Um, sure. I mean, it had, you, you, you want to have exposure to, to this backfield, to the backups because, you know, every running back's an injury away from having a big, big opportunity. And Joshua Kelly did hit IR back in yeah. late October. So it took that out of the picture. So it's Sony Michelle, who has been lackluster for the most part, and Isaiah Spiller behind Austin Eckler. So both of those guys, you know, bear some watching in, in uh, deeper roster leagues. On to the Dolphins and Bears game, which was the probably the game of the day. 35-32 Dolphins, quarterback scoring points all over the place. Justin Fields, his third straight top six fantasy week. He is QB1 in fantasy heading into Monday night. NFL record 178 yards rushing for a quarterback. Had the long touchdown run in that game. Had Mike McDaniel yelling at him to stop it. Also had three <laughs> touchdown passes, though, including two to Cole Komet, which I didn't know was possible on this particular plane. Yeah, yeah. This is the fields we wanted last year, right? And this is the fields we wanted the first couple of weeks. It's nice to see that I'm so mad at myself. I picked up Justin Fields in, a, in one of my big leagues, and I had um, I had Stafford and Brady, and I just, with all the lineups I had setting, I just went through, and I just missed that I got fields and waivers and just started Brady who did not do which, what fields did. And the plan was to start fields and it ended up costing me, which sucks. But, um, but I had fields in some other spots. Hopefully everyone else does too. He's a, he's a QB one moving forward. We got some, we had a competent coaching alert in Chicago, competent coaching alert. Like we, we have to let people know when there's actually competent, actually competent coaching in the NFL these days. Um, fields is running fields is throwing it's designed purposeful runs. Also they bring in chase, chase Claypool to add weapons to, to, to the team. So, um, and just like from the micro, like fields just looks more comfortable. His ball fake is, I know this is so nerdy. His ball fake is unbelievable. Like he, he tricked me out two or three times on the ball fake. And that might be silly stuff that doesn't matter in fantasy, but 
at the end of the day, it does when it, when it leads to big run chunk gains because the defense is going one way and he's going the other. So he threw a beautiful fade route, dying touchdown to Darnell Mooney. You know, um, he had an insane 60 yard touchdown run in the third quarter where he made guys miss. And I noticed too, a lot of running quarterbacks are doing this except for Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. They're, they're running down the field and then they're like kind of slowing up. Like they're going to slide. And there's so many penalties for hitting quarterbacks that they, they take it. They, they pretend like they're going to slide for a half second and then they keep running. And the defender like gets caught in no man's land and they get an extra 20 yards. Fields did Fields did one of those and his 60 yard touchdown run. So uh good good for him and good for good for the Bears offense. Now, when you say ball fake for him, are you talking uh the play action hand? Play action, right? yeah. Yeah, the play action fakes are, are looking he's he's been you can tell he's been working hard on his game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's nice to see. I mentioned the two touchdown catches for Cole Komet. It's just his first game north of four targets this year, though. He's had one other game where he had more than three targets. So there are formats where you can pick up Cole Komet this week. Uh, I would not consider him a go-to just yet. I would expect that Chicago has to start throwing the ball a little bit more, though. And, you know, he's at the top uh, range of who's going to get targets in that passing game. So somebody that can be fine for you, but not an answer just because he scored three touchdowns over the past two games. Exactly. Again, a lot of times with the, with the tight end position, it's all about like who, who's just going to get that, that touchdown. Um, but yeah, Ch- Chase Claypool was involved early as well. And, you know, some screens, some fades, that's kind of his game, right? Um, you know, made, made some guys miss just running through him. Uh, but he was, he was, he wasn't out there much, you know, he just, he, he just got there. So expect, uh, that to grow. He was out there on 40% of the routes, but uh, mm-hmm. it's nice to see that they're, that they're scheming things for him. Yeah. Just fourth among bears wideouts and playing time for that game, but did tie Cole Komet for second on the team in targets behind Darnell Mooney. So they clearly want to get him involved and he probably should have drawn a PI call on that play right there at the end of the game. So that, that's one yes. of those where you wonder if the, if the player's reputation is hurting him in that case. Although I think, I think officials, tend to lean away from making those calls if they're at all close late in the game, especially even yeah. if they're doing it subconsciously. Yeah. I mean, that's that, that comes from the uh, sauce Gardner school of playing defensive back, just grabbing everybody all over the field and never getting called. <laughs> that sounds like a salty. <laughs> David Montgomery worked well ahead of Khalil Herbert in this one, 52 to 21 in snaps, 14 to seven in carries two to nothing in targets. So he's still contending with Khalil Herbert being in there, but is still ahead of him overall i think they're both going to be usable for the week 10 game against detroit and the week 11 game in atlanta if you look at the bears remaining schedule overall it's the best remaining rb schedule according to our adjusted fantasy points allowed they at the end of the season it gets a little tricky they have a week 14 bye, so you don't want to have key players on by at that stage although if your key players are david montgomery or khalil herbert then you're probably not in great shape in week 14 But then they have Philly, then they have Buffalo, and then Week 17 at Detroit. Those Philly and Buffalo matchups are not great overall. We did just watch Damian Pierce run for plenty on the Eagles, though, and we watched two straight weeks where the Bills' defense allowed some rushing. Yeah, the Bills' defense, they're they're a tough one to kind of grade. I mean, they had a JV defense out there again yesterday, no Matt Milano, no secondary to speak of, um, especially as far as run, run stopping is concerned. I mean, the Jets were ran all over them. But, yeah, the schedule for the Bears is really nice down the stretch. In fact, it's a it's a pretty big gap between them and the and the second-best uh, running back schedule, which is the, the, the Dolphins. So it's just hard when you get a team like the Bears who aren't very good. They're not going to be winning games a lot. So the running back position, you might not get the touches that you want, and they're splitting carries and touches. So it's not something to be super excited about. Now, if you get an injury there – uh, or injury in Miami, which is the number two spot, then you're then then you're really excited if you have the other back. 
Yeah, certainly don't go get either guy, but if you have them, I think that they both could be usable and they have a nice stretch of games coming up. On the Miami side of this one, I mean, things are what they have been. Mike Gusecki went back to not being a factor. Uh, The big thing on the Dolphins side is that Jeff Wilson, days after joining Mm -hmm. the team, is all of a sudden splitting the backfield with Raheem Mostert. So that tells me that that's what the Dolphins want to do with their backfield, and they just couldn't because Chase Edmonds was much worse than what they thought he was. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, they they got rid of Edmonds, brought in a guy that they're familiar with, and right out of the gate, he led the way, and he looked good. He had a receiving touchdown. Um, you know, he ended up uh, – Jeff Wilson ended up RB7 on the, on the week. Again, it, it's by Mageddon, but – um, you know, it's, it's, it's good news for, for him. And, and Mostert is still probably usable. Again, this is a very high scoring game, but the Dolphins are going to play very high scoring games. You know, he was RB 23 on the, on, on the week. So, you know, you can, you can almost use him as a, as a, as a flex if you need to. Uh, but Wilson looked good. And, you know, I think that's probably only going to grow towards him moving forward. Yeah. And Mostert didn't score a touchdown yesterday. Oh yeah, he did get a touchdown. Okay. So that helped him get there um, yeah. points wise. So yeah, I, I think it's going to be similar to what we were just talking about with David Montgomery and Khalil Herbert without so much of one guy leading the other, a bit more of them just splitting things. And it's going to be frustrating, but there will be plenty of spots where you need both of those guys to be usable. That should still be the case. They, they're going to need to play some defense though. That would help if they start playing some defense at some point. Because otherwise, there's also going to be lots of trailing games as they had last week at Detroit, which cut into the um, rushing work for Raheem Mostert. Um, Tua Tangavailoa, Tyreek told us again after this game that he's the most accurate quarterback in the league. You with him yet, Adam? Um, Earmuffs, Jared Smola. I want Smola to put earmuffs on right now. I love Tua (laughs) Tangavailoa. And I only love him because he does what everyone needs him to do. He does what the Dolphins need him to do. He does what we as fantasy people need him to do. Get the ball to Tyree Kill. Get the ball to Jalen Waddle. Every play, all game, all year. Like I love knowing going into a game, it doesn't matter what the game script is. It doesn't matter who they're playing. They're going to get the ball. He's going to get the ball to the guys that need it. Now, granted, they're wide open. I mean, they're they're the Dolphins are number one in the NFL as far as depth of uh, distance of separation between the targeted receiver and the and, and and the defender. I mean, that's that's no shocker, right? But it's just it's so beautiful to watch. Uh, he's comfortable in the, in the offense. Uh, he does what needs to be done. So keeps uh, obviously you're starting Waddle and Tyreek, but you know Tyreek's looking to shatter records. I mean, we Cooper Cup was was the talk of the town the last year. All we talked about was. Him winning so much money. Tyreek Hill is right there this year. I mean, if you have Tyreek Hill, you're at, you should be absolutely crushing. So, um, so yeah, it's good good to see uh, good to see those those two guys doing well. I tell you who I love is Mike McDaniel. He just yes. he, he he knows how he knows what to do with his players. He clearly knows how to coach them up. He's in the heat of the game, yelling "Stop it!" at Justin Fields on the yeah. sideline. He's in the press conference when somebody asks him uh, how often he talks to GM Chris Greer, and he's like, "Actually, he's on an earpiece in my ear right now." He told me not to answer that question. The guy <laughs> has all of the answers on the field and off. He's he's probably my new favorite head coach. Yeah, it's really refreshing to see a guy that just, you know, I, you know, I don't know his history. I don't even think he probably ever played football. It's just like this, this like nerd that comes in and understand, like you hear, oh, I forgot who was a receiver. 
uh, talking about how how good he was as a, as a receivers coach. I'll have to I'll think of it, but you know all the all the details he puts into and all this even the small stuff that doesn't go on the fantasy radar is like the way that he teaches them to get off routes, the way that he teaches them to to come back and jump into pass interference calls. Like a lot of that stuff, a lot of receivers don't know to do that. Look at the Bills game, but they you know to come back and get those calls when two is going to throw throw the ball short because he is that's big time stuff that that he's teaching all the, all these guys and it's 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 refreshing to see a non kind of football guy come in here and do really, really well. Yeah, it's enjoyable. Next up, Joe Mixon, 35, Panthers, 21, Bengals, 7. We have been waiting for positive touchdown regression for Joe Mixon all season. I did not know that all of it was going to come at us in week <laughs> nine. Does give him touchdowns in three of the past four games, though, so it's not like it was totally dry. It was his first 100-yard game of the season. Obviously, we're not going to get another game like this from Joe Mixon, but he had been getting the work all season long that was saying a big game is coming. Uh, if I had Joe Mixon anywhere, I would trade him everywhere to, to, to <laughs> today. 12th best running back performance of all time. I mean, five, five, five touchdowns as far as fantasy is concerned. 12th best fantasy running back. Uh, great game for, for, for Joe Mixon. Great game for kind of the Bengals offense as a whole. I mean, obviously the fantasy points weren't spread around too much. But T. Higgins got there. You know, Boyd didn't really get there, but he um, – get an out route for a touchdown that should have been a touchdown. Everyone thought it was a touchdown at the pylon didn't give it to him. Um, and so, uh, so yeah, but you know, it, it looks burrow looks great. This looks like second half burrow from last year. Um, so it's nice to see them get going after a, a really bad, bad performance uh, last on Monday night football. Yeah. You're disappointed today. If you had T Higgins or Tyler Boyd, but I mean, if the offense scores 42 points, we're not again going to get a game where five of those six touchdowns come from Joe Mixon. He even took the one that was a, a reception. So, I mean, that, right. that's, that's abnormal. So, you, you know, no adjustments for me for T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd um, going forward. We do have a week 10 bye as well, which maybe that gives Jamar Chase a chance at Please. getting back for week 11. The team hasn't put him on IR yet. So I, I haven't heard that they hope to have him back for week 11 but clearly they still believe that there's some chance it's less than four weeks. Yep. And I think, I think they said, I think it was him. They were talking about how he, they're hoping he heals better because he's just a better specimen than ever, everybody else. But yeah, it'll be the buy will make it three straight weeks that he had, he had been out. So even if he misses four, they said four to six, I think. So even if he misses the one coming out of the buy, if we could get him back, but yeah, Higgins, you know, eight targets, seven for 60. So 13 points wide receiver, 25 on the, on the week, you know, probably a lot will finish ahead of him tonight. So wide receiver 26. So again, not terrible, not going to ru- ru- ruin your week. We got a mix and trade question from Jack Lombard on YouTube, Adam. He's wondering, should he give Joe Mixon and Kyle Pitts for DeAndre Swift and Mike Evans? Uh, you know, you just mentioned the sell high on Mixon. I'm definitely in favor of moving Pitts. However, this would not be the move I go for because DeAndre Swift is absolutely not somebody that I'm trying to add for the second half of the season. Just too much injury issue with him. And the shoulder thing that he has not been able to shake, despite missing a couple of games, being limited the past couple of weeks, I think he's going to continue to be a health issue the rest of the way. Yeah, I think that's probably a uh, a push for me. The mix in pits for Swift Evans. I, I mean, do we really think Swift is not going to get back healthy this year? I mean, I don't if know. if we if he does, it's definitely Swift and Evans for me for sure. Um, especially, I mean, I don't know who. Who that who your tight end is if you're for trading pits, but um, but you know who your tight end is if you have pits. <laughs> that's right, that's right. I mean, it's probably probably somebody who's, who's more for fantasy relevant, 
right now than Pitts is. But I, I, I would lean towards the Swift side, assuming that Swift will get healthy. And we'll talk about that Lions game, but he looked good in the passing game. They just, um, they just haven't got, gotten him back, back rolling yet. So there you go, Jack. You got no answer there because we disagree right. on it. I lean to, I lean towards, uh, <laughs> towards uh, the Lions running back. He does say that he has Darren Waller, so there is a tight end eventually yeah. that's going to play. Yeah. So we'll see where that one goes. And we'll talk about the the Lions a bit more um, coming up. On the other side of this Bengals game, P.J. Walker went back to being P.J. Walker, got pulled at halftime for Baker Mayfield, who had easily his best passing performance yet as a Panther. 14 of 20, 155 yards, two touchdowns. Of course, did not bring D.J. Moore along with him through his two touchdowns to Tommy Tremble and Raheem Blackshear, who most people probably just learned existed. That's right. That's right. Yeah, Walker was benched after nine passing yards. I think in, did I read somewhere in the Scott Fishbowl, he had like negative 12.5 points. <laughs> oh, God, I'm so sorry. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was – it was, it was bad for him. Uh, Baker Mayfield came in and a lot of times these quarterbacks that come in as backup roles, they, they get to play loose and free because nobody cares. Um, Especially when you're down by a lot like they that, were. That, that, that's what I mean. Yeah. They're getting crushed. Um, DJ Moore saw six targets. Most of them were uncatchable. Uh, so I, I hope we're not, I mean, he had three straight good weeks. I hope we're not back to weeks one through four of, DJ Moore, but we might be, I think Sam Darnold was activated from the, from the IR Not today, you know, Darnold can actually throw the ball more than 20 yards. Walker could too. And that's why Moore was having a good stretch, but uh, if it's up to me, which it's not, obviously <laughs> uh, I would try to get Darnold in there uh, because at least he's got some, some downfield threat. Baker just is terrible. I mean, it's a bad quarterback situation. We just hope that DJ Moore can go back to being okay in spite of it. And like I said, they have Atlanta coming up. So that's good news for whoever's playing quarterback. It's tough to hit the short week with a quarterback question to answer. Cause I mean, I wouldn't be shocked by any among Mayfield, Darnold Walker being the starter for this game. It's probably a little bit of a tall ask for Darnold to be the starter right off of a short week. My guess right now would be Mayfield, but again, I'm not really sure that it matters because none of these three guys is really any good. Is it Panthers Falcons on, on Thursday night? Is yeah. that what it is? Oh God. Oh, looks like it's date night. I'm gonna tell my wife there's no game. We're not gonna watch the game. This I'm gonna you know how many brownie points I'm gonna get? Unbelievable. <laughs> uh so the ground game for the Panthers also went nowhere. And you, you, that's not surprising when you're getting blown up by the Bengals. Deontay Foreman, seven carries, 23 yards. Raheem Blackshear and Spencer Brown. Also mixed in heavily as well. And it wasn't just in the second half. They took out form and those guys were involved before the break as well. Chuba Hubbard should be back soon. This past week, he went limited Wednesday, limited Thursday, then no practice Friday before going inactive. So I wouldn't be surprised if we get a little bit more of a committee. Um, You know, again, short week might give Hubbard less of a chance of making it back for this one. That would be good news for Foreman. Uh, But beyond that, I think we're going to get more of a timeshare. And that's what happens when you've got a, a team that isn't very good and you've got Foreman who's not involved in the passing game. I and mean, he scored three touchdowns last week. It's just, it's not going to happen every ever again for him probably. So uh, he's a non-pass catching running back on a bad team. The only guy who can get away with that is, is, is Damian Pierce. So uh, I'm, I'm happy that, man, I had, I had some, I had some Foreman uh, question. I started him in some, some spots I did, but I also, uh, I also chose some some uh, some receivers like Juju over him this week, nice. uh, so so that was good. But those are those are tough decisions. It's so hard when you know when a guy's coming off a big week like that with all with all those carries, and so. Uh, but yeah, so Foreman's more of a more of a lean away from him type deal. Although the Falcons would be a game that they could actually stay in. Yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, if there's no Chuba Hubbard yet, even if Chuba Hubbard's back, there's room for both of those guys to be fine in this game. So if you still have Foreman, you know, he didn't go from God to unusable this week. He just went from facing one of the league's worst defenses to a competent defense. That's right. Within a bad offense. So yeah. it'll be usable in week 10. We'll see exactly where he sits in our rankings. Those will hit the site by midday Tuesday. Um, and then, you know, we'll see if I agree with Jared on exactly where Foreman comes out. Yep, that's right. I can't, can't wait to hear it. <laughs> Lions 15, Packers 9. And, you know, you can say what you want about injuries, but this Green Bay team just sucks. They, um, let's sorry. hit the injuries first because they're most impactful for fantasy. Uh, Aaron Jones injured his left ankle in this one, left this game early. He was in a walking boot afterward, but the tests have reportedly come back clean. He is expected to practice and play this week, so we'll have to watch and make sure that he's on the field and that he's going to play in this upcoming game. They have, they have Dallas, so a tougher defense, but a game in which they would probably like to lean on Aaron Jones as much as they can. The ankle, I'm sure, makes A.J. Dillon probably more of a factor heading into the game, even if Aaron Jones is ready to play in this one. So, you know, if you're in trouble at running back, A.J. Dillon might be more of, a, of an option this week than other weeks. Romeo Dobbs hurt his right ankle in that Lions game. He's got a high ankle sprain. He's going to yeah. miss the next four to six weeks. So it's time to drop Romeo Dobbs, unfortunately. Yeah, drop drop Dobbs. I heard, um, yeah, they were talking uh, Dobbs is out. at So it's Lazard, Lazard week. Um and Aaron Jones said he, I think he's, he's going to be fine. He said he could have finished the game. And he also, I think it was said today that he's going to be fine for this upcoming weeks, which is good because AJ Jones stinks. The Packers stink. Uh, Lazard is, it's startable uh, moving forward, especially with Dobbs out. I mean, he had a, he had a, a nice touchdown. He had another one where he should have been in, but refs hate points and they hate fun. So they ruled him down, even though I still think he was in. And of course they don't score from four plays. Uh, Rogers throws it. I don't know. I don't think that one was four plays, but Rogers do a pick off somebody's helmet. I think on that, on that drive, but um, then they run a tackle eligible. <laughs> Rogers throws another pick. Rogers do like four really bad picks this game, the three or four against a horrific defense. So yeah, L- L- Lazard now with Dobbs out, Aaron Jones are really only startable guys moving forward for this, for, for this team. And I, speaking of you and Jared, I heard the little, uh, well, obviously listen to every week, but the Tanyan, the Tanyan battle this week, um, you know, they were playing from behind, but Tanyan still wasn't involved at all. Uh, so I think he's, he's back to a, he's, he's, he's back to a three-way split again at the tight end spot. I think, I honestly think that I'm not, not just for Jared. I think there's some subconscious bias toward Aaron Rodgers, And every time we see Robert Tunyon put up numbers, people are like, oh, okay. Now they've got Robert Tunyon as an option here, but I, there's a whole lot more unusable than usable from Tunyon so far this year. Well, I think what it is too, is like Rodgers is not cooked. Like this team is terrible, but Rodgers himself like if he was on like a lot of other teams, most other teams, he would be doing really, really well. Um, and Tanyan, you know, was awesome two years ago. And if he's healthy, like there, and there's no, there's no uh, targets there. I mean, there's no people to throw the ball to. There's no, so it's like, he should be involved more. It makes sense. Now, I don't have a lot of Tanyan, but, but I get it. People wanting to make Tanyan a thing, but it's just not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Christian Watson also suffered a concussion in this one, his second one, like his second consecutive concussion in games that he's appeared in. So that's kind of a worrisome situation for him there. Um, We'll see about Aaron Rodgers. It's 
it's too bad for Aaron Rodgers' sake that he didn't have a chance this offseason to go to another team. <laughs> That's right. I don't feel listen, I don't feel bad for Rodgers at all. I'm just saying he's not physically cooked. He's not having fun. He's miserable. Him and Brady, oh, yeah. him and Brady are miserable. So uh, I'm just baffled as to why he bothered coming back to Green Bay, knowing that Devontae Adams Correct. was down. Because I'm sure that he knew that that was the case. But, right, right. Uh, it's it's weird. Um, on the other side, Jared Goff stinks as well. We already knew yeah. that it was his first game without TJ Hawkinson, so he threw memorial touchdowns to James Mitchell, <laughs> Shane Zilstra. Amon Ross St. Brown was the only lion to get more than four targets or three catches in this game. So it was just an unusable passing game outside of St. Brown, which is probably going to be the case more weeks than not going forward. DeAndre Swift, we got to a little bit before we got warnings from Dan Campbell all week that they, after playing him a limited amount last week, he was like, I think I gave him one too many carries too." DeAndre Swift played 10 snaps in this game, had two carries, four targets so even less work than that game i i i'm worried that he stays dinged up all year it's been a month or so maybe even five weeks since he suffered that shoulder injury and things have not gotten any better have got it's gotten worse if they feel like they can't play him for more than 10 snaps so we already knew swift came into the season as an injury risk i just think maybe he gets all the way back healthy and that would be awesome if he does I think his ceiling though right now is getting healthier and splitting the backfield with Jamal Williams. Yeah, the, it's it's a very interesting situation because he looked like I don't think he re-injured it or anything and he looked good. I think on the first drive he had a really nice swing pass catch and run, looked explosive. Obviously that's not a shoulder thing. Those are his legs move, moving quickly, so his legs look fine, but so I don't know what the, what they're going to do. I think you're right on that. They love they love J- Jamal Williams. Jamal Williams has been has been fine. So I think if they can get if they can get him back, even to like a heavily involved in the passing game, like if he can get like a lot of the Hawkinson targets, um, because they don't have a lot of other weapons there in the passing game. I mean, it, I haven't heard anything about J- Jamison Williams. Like, is he playing this year? Is he going to come the last back? They said was he was probably at least a month away, and that was a week or two ago at this point. Yeah. I, I have hit the season expecting him to not be a factor this year. I will maybe he'll be in there by December. But I, he's not somebody I've been holding in fantasy by any means. Yeah. So the, you know, the the upside is this defense is terrible, and they lost Hawkinson. So now they there's more targets to go around, and Smith is and Swift is a great pass catching back. So if he can get all the pass catching work from the running backs, still get some goal line carries, this, that, and the other thing, I think he's still startable for sure as an RB two. It's just hard to bench him when he's when, when when he's active. You know what I mean? Like it's hard to bench Swift when he's active, knowing all the running back injuries and the bye weeks and all that stuff that's out there. But you know, it's uh it's it's, it's gonna be tough sliding moving forward. I will say it seems like Dan Campbell is one of the more honest coaches when he's talking to the media. Like yeah. he spent the week saying, you know, I want to make sure that we don't hurt him we got to make sure we don't overuse DeAndre Swift and then lo and behold they used him less in that game so I think going forward there are lots of coaches where we hear stuff and we're like man I think once you get into the game you're gonna be playing that guy more Dan Campbell I'm gonna be a little bit more like if he's saying this I'm gonna believe that that's true until he shows me it's not yeah um anything else from that game no, it was a pretty gross game. <laughs> yeah. Now let's move on. Jaguars 27, Raiders 20 in a game that was definitely gross for the Raiders. They jumped out to a 17-0 lead in the first half, 20-7 to after that. Then they just stopped scoring. No more points after they got it to 20-7. to Devontae Adams had nine catches for 146, two touchdowns by halftime. He had one more catch 
for zero yards among eight second half targets. There was no more than three receptions for any other Raider. So the offense obviously better than it was against new Orleans. Cause we actually got points this time around, but still struggling, still dealing with some injuries. I think that certainly got in the way. Some of Josh Jacobs who like overall was an okay day, 87 total yards running backs. will have days like that. Didn't happen to find the end zone, but he'll be in better shape if the Raiders offense can be healthier overall. Yeah. He, he was, he had 12 fantasy points. Fine. Uh, he's a user. He was a usable RB two, uh, RB 18 this week. I think so. Yeah. He'll, he'll be fine moving forward. We'd like to get him involved in the passing game as well. So it's nice to see. And he looked, he looked great. He looked good. So there's no, no, no issues there, but again, it's just, do we have, is Josh McDaniels a fake, a fake sharp? Uh, maybe, I mean, they, they can't win. They can't score. You know, they're, I think they're up like 17, nothing and just fell apart. Um, but it was nice to see Adams back. He had, he had a great game, you know, back from, you know, he was sick last week or whatever. And, um, uh, but they've just so many, even with Waller out, they have so many weapons. I mean, Renfro makes an, an insane catch on the sidelines and like double coverage, you, you know, he's just so good. They can't get him and him involved. It's just so weird to see this, um, this Raiders offense struggle. Are you saying that Josh McDaniels is like one of those fake switchblades where you stab and just sinks back into <laughs> That's the- right. It sinks back into the blade. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> looks so real, though. Um, on the Jacksonville side, Travis Etienne and uh, Adam, you know, I just talked about Dan Campbell being so honest with us. Doug Peterson was very honest in telling us that the role would not change for Travis Etienne after they traded James Robinson. And since then 24 and 28 <laughs> carries. So they traded away James Robinson. They turned Travis Etienne into Derrick Henry. He's at, well, I mean, the role is, is kind of changing or hasn't changed in a sense. He's still not getting passed on work. Like he's still not, they're not using him as like this, the explosive receiver that he can be, but yeah, I mean, he's a, he's an RB one moving, moving forward. He's getting all, all that work. Um, and so, and they're really leaning on him because Trevor Lawrence can't, you know, he's allergic to passing touchdowns. So, uh, one more today, a whopping one passing touchdown for Trevor Lawrence, uh, saved his day with 53 rushing yards. So that was good. I think he still got there. I think it was QB nine, QB 10 on the week. So, uh, but against the Raiders passing or against the Raiders pass defense, you, you gotta, you gotta, this has to be one of your best games of the year. You gotta score. You gotta, you gotta throw for two or three touchdowns against them. It just, it just didn't happen. I mean, there's only so much you can do, though. If they're limiting the passing volume and 28 carries for Travis Etienne, it's definitely limiting yeah. the passing volume, especially in a game where they fall behind by 17 points initially. He was at least solid, completed 80.6% yeah. of his passes, 25 to 31, 235 yards, one touchdown. So Lawrence doesn't look like he's going to be a ceiling guy for us this year. But if we can get floor, that's really all we need at this point. Um, Christian Kirk reemerged nine targets in this game, eight catches, 76 yards, one touchdown. So he gave us the game that we're hoping for against the Raiders. Yes, yes, uh, exactly. He, he definitely got there. Look good. It's nice to see them get him involved more. Uh, but n- I never want that at the expense of Evan, of Evan Ingram. And now, unfortunately what he had, now, the one thing he was banged Evan up a little though, bit. Yeah. I think he, he hurt his back in the third quarter of this one came back, but it, he would, there was limited playing time from there on. We saw more than usual playing time for both Chris Manhurts and Dan Arnold. So you know, we'll watch his situation heading into week 10. Evan Ingram's not been the best bet going into a game injured in his career. So I'll be very curious to see what his practice participation is this week and what the Jaguars say about him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, at least it's not by him again. Hopefully we got some tight ends coming back off by. <laughs> That's right. Although week 10 uh, tight end wise, we've got, let's see, no Mark Andrews because the Ravens will be on by no Hayden Hurst, no Tyler Conklin. 
Um, and then mercifully, the Patriots aren't going to trick anybody <laughs> in playing one of their tight ends. Stupid. Anything else in that game? Uh, no, I think that's it. Patriots 26 to the Colts three in what would be Frank Reich's last game as the head coach of the Colts. Mm, I think it's time to go ahead and end the Sam Ellinger experiment. Obviously it's early to call it at this point, but 103 passing yards, nine sacks, an interception. I saw a note from Lord Reeves on Twitter. Um, Rich Rebar, of course, of sharp football says that Ellinger is five of 13 so far on third downs through his two games, taking six sacks in those situations. So more than 25% of those dropbacks, 15.9 passer rating. Like if we got any point in the two games where Sam Ellinger was like, Oh, that's impressive stuff. There might be something there. Then I could see it, but it's like, it, it didn't work out. Let's get an actual NFL quarterback in there. Even though he stinks, he's making a ton of money. He can at least support the target counts for the wide receivers there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, listen, I'm going to pour one out for my guy, for Frank Reich. The Bills, the Bills legend got fired today. Um, but yeah, Ellinger looks looks bad. He looks he looks lost. I mean, he's just not ready. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, 300 yards of total offense in this in this game f- for both teams combined. I mean, what a what a gro- what a what a gross game. It's gonna be interesting to see what the Colts do moving forward. Like you said, it could bring Matt Matt Ryan in. JT with a high, I think it was a high ankle sprain. He's just not right. If they lose another game or two, if they, I could see them maybe shutting him down later on in the season with with, with the new coach. You know, with the interim coach, he you know it probably doesn't matter to him. So we'll see how that looks mo- moving forward. Um, but yeah, I mean, Pittman. Add Pittman to the list of the third, fourth, fifth round bust receivers. The list is uh, there were way more misses than there were hits this year. And we'll talk about that. I'm sure in another podcast, but, um, but yeah, just, he's, you know, he's just tied up in a three wide receiver. Everyone's kind of getting, I think he had 22% target share last week, but there was, you know, Pierce was getting his, everyone was kind of getting theirs. So um, he's almost unstartable. He's like a wide receiver for, um, until unless they get Matt Ryan back and they can and they start moving the ball again. I mean, Pittman did give us wide receiver three level numbers last week in the first Ellinger start. It has gotten you know over twenty percent in both of the Ellinger games. So I cert- I think it'll be better for him if Matt Ryan is back in there. Yeah, uh, but I, I don't think it's time to totally quit on him just yet. Deion Jackson got I don't I don't want to say gave us the game that we should have expected, but probably gave us the game that we should have expected. Eleven carries, twenty three yards in this one. The thing of note that I guess would not have been predictable heading in is that Jordan Wilkins was right there with them in playing time, beat Deion Jackson and targets five to three. Um, so it was more of a split backfield than we might have guessed. You know, it, the only question I even saw was, do you think Philip Lindsay's going to steal from him? My answer to that was no. And that was right because it was Jordan mm-hmm. Wilkins stealing stuff from <laughs> Deion Jackson. So the, the takeaway here is less about Deion Jackson than it is about the Colts offense. And it's just not one to bet on right now. We'll see about Jonathan Taylor's health heading into week 10. There is a matchup against the Raiders. So whoever's healthy, if it's in close lineup calls, that matchup certainly helps. But again, not an offense that you want to be betting on too much. Yeah, not how much you want to be betting on Jackson. I mean, he did lead the backfield in touches, but it was only 11 carries and three three targets. You're not going to get there on that. I mean, he had, what, 10 catches in his the last time he started. So... Um, you know, Patriots had Patriots are a good defense. You know, Ellinger isn't good, so you just kind of had a feeling this was it was going to be one of these games. I, he wasn't a guy I was dying to get into my lineups, right. um, and hopefully, you know, he lost a lot of tiebreakers to other people's lineups too. Yeah, I mean, 
I know that he got a fair amount of hype. It was really just this guy is suddenly the starter. And the last time he was a starter, he got a lot of touches. So overall, like beyond the Colt situation, just let it be a reminder that just because one thing happened for one game doesn't mean that's the way things are going to happen going forward. And especially if it's something like a running back getting 10 targets who has never played before, we should assume that that's definitely not going to happen. So if that's the reason for starting somebody, then, um, you know, need to change the plan there. By the way, we just got a report on who the interim head coach for the Colts is going to be. Did you see? I just saw, yeah. Jeff Saturday, the former center for the Colts, was not on the Colts coaching staff (laughs) heading into this weekend. Has been a consultant for the team, so has been involved. It's not like he's not been in the building. Consultant. Hey, make me the coach. I don't know exactly what a consultant (laughs) is for an NFL team, how much time he's spending there, but... Yeah, hey, I, I'm I'm here for it. It'll be fun at the very least. We'll we'll see where it goes. I mean, they already dumped Frank Reich and his OC, who had been right. there since he got there. So I, I don't know who it was going to be the defensive coordinator, probably who has been a head coach elsewhere, Gus Bradley. Whatever. We, I don't think this matters a whole lot for the offense because the issues are, I think, less about the coaching and more about the lack of talent overall. So we'll we'll see what happens. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, who is he bringing Dan Orlovsky with him to run, run the offense? Who else is coming over from ESPN? Get him in there. <laughs> and maybe he's maybe it's really just about trying to get Lewis Riddick in the door. Yeah, that's um, right. Mina know. Kimes, she, she can call plays. It'll be great. It'll be awesome. <laughs> On the Patriots side of this game, I mean, you don't want to be using Patriots pieces overall. There's Ramondre Stevenson, there's Jacoby Myers. The Patriots don't want to be using Patriots right. pieces overall. They don't want to be on offense. They're trying to get off the field as quickly as possible. Stevenson was okay in this one, did have a touchdown catch to save his fantasy line. Um, JJ Taylor also got 10 carries in this game, though. Three of those and his lone target came in the first half. So he was involved before the team pulled ahead over the second half. We should have Damian Harris back after the bye. He was inactive with an illness, and now they do have the week 10 bye to get him better, probably even healthier from the hamstring issue as well. So look for Something a little bit closer to a split between Stevenson and Harris, but you know, Stevenson, Jacoby Myers, the guys we're using from here. That's it. Stevenson Myers. Stevenson had a great one-handed touchdown catch in this this game. Um, you know, Taylor, we got a got a goal line carry, like I think right before that touchdown catch. That was kind of gross to see, but uh, but yeah, it's that's it. There's no one you really want to use moving forward. Jets 20, Bills 17. We got to do it, Adam. Josh (laughs) Allen played probably his worst game in a while, at least worse that I've seen in a while. And he still sets third among fantasy QBs in points. Thanks to that nine carries, 86 yards, two touchdowns had that like sweep for a 46 yard touchdown run or whatever distance it was. Yeah. I mean, it's he he, fantasy wise. He's always going to get there because he runs it and he throws. I wish he could line up and play, play receiver because they don't have any of those outside of Stefan Diggs. So uh, I wish, I wish he could do that too. But um, yeah, I mean, he, the past game was really bad. Um, He threw some unbearable, like the first interception. There's no way he saw him. There's no way he saw because he threw it right now while we're watching it back he was the defender was behind a defensive lineman on this drag route there's no way he saw him he threw it right to the <laughs> defender um the second pick um i i think gabe davis ran out and josh allen threw it in i think there was a miscommunication there because again that didn't make any sense he threw it right to saw to sauce gardener so um but but yeah it was just it was bad um and so there's just, as far as the offense is concerned, I know they've, they've put up a ton of fantasy points this year, but outside of digs, Knox doesn't get, ever get open. Gabe Davis, I, I know it's, I hate, hate to say it because he has these monster blow up games where he scores these long touchdowns, but he doesn't earn targets. He doesn't get open. 
Um, you know, against against zone, they really miss, you know, Cole Beasley. I know that's a swear word <laughs> in Buffalo, but they miss a short guy that can get open in zone coverage. And that's what these teams are doing. That's what the Titan good defenses. When they play these shell defenses, we talked about this last year. That's what the Titans did to Mahomes last night. Mahomes didn't look great. He ends up on this on the stat sheet good, but he he didn't look great. When you get the Titans uh, and the Jets playing these great shell defenses, you got to have playmakers underneath that can do that can get the catch and run. And the Bills just don't have that right now. Um, I mean, Allen throws a dime to Diggs down the sidelines, can't get separation. The last play of the game, they gave Davis. Sauce Gardner rips Gabe Davis's shirt off, and he still, Josh Allen, still, it was like a 60-yard, 65 yards in the air. He, he couldn't have handed it to Gabe Davis any better. He hits him right in the chest plate with it, but he's Gabe Davis. So it's like, it's hard. It's just, it's hard for them sometimes when they don't, when you don't have those ancillary skill pieces um, to beat this, these shell defenses, you know. So they'll be fine moving forward fantasy-wise, but, Oh, this game might put the Bills over the top for, for 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 Odell Beckham. Would you say that Cole Beasley could inoculate them against zone defenses? <laughs> Absolutely. Bring him back. Bring him back. <laughs> oh, he's retired now. I don't think I don't think we're get him. It, it is worth noting these Jets are legitimate on defense. Um I, yeah, correct. Going in, I won't be surprised if we don't get if we get a not explosive game from the Bills. So it's not, it's still not a matchup where I'm saying be scared to face them, but don't go in expecting a big game. And there will be some close decisions where it's, it's okay to lean away from whoever's facing the jets in the bills backfield. Devin Singletary dominated playing time still after the Naheem Hines trade 47 snaps for Singletary to 14 for James cook three for Naheem Hines. I would certainly assume we get more Hines playing time going forward. This obviously was a few days after he got traded to the team he could help with some of that, you know, short distance receiving stuff. That's obviously been something they've looking, they've been looking to solve all off season. They've tried a bunch of different running back options. I think we'll get more Naheem Hines. I don't really know yet how much more we can expect though. Yeah. I mean, we can't get less Naheem Hines. I mean, he didn't, he didn't do, he was barely out there. didn't do anything. Cook looked fine. Like I don't understand what, like he had four, four targets, had some catches, looked fine, looked fast. Like this old line stinks too. Like the right side of their line, PFF had like a 65 grade for the right side of their line, which is terrible. Uh, their line is, is, isn't very good. So, I mean, Singletary, again, I've been saying this all season. Yeah. He's got the, uh, he has the running back position on the best, if not one of the best offenses in football on lockdown. And it's meaningless because he can't do anything with it. So now granted he only had, uh, what did he have? Five targets, and eight carries in a game where the bills probably should have run more because they were winning most of the game. So, but, um, and not run with Josh Allen, even though he's the best running back on the team. So we'll see, um, moving forward, but yeah, the jets have, have a, have a very good defense. And so, um, the bills are probably bounce back at the Vikings next week. Yeah, that should be a get right spot for the offense and the Minnesota, like the Green Bay defense is certainly not shut down, but Minnesota is has been weaker this season than either the Packers or the Jets this week. So yeah, be a nice spot for our Bills players in fantasy. Garrett Wilson on the other side of this one, 36 percent target share, 44.4 percent of the team's completions, 59.7 percent of the receiving yards Two takeaways for me here, Adam Garrett Wilson is very good. And that's the only reason that he's going to be relevant fantasy wise going forward. That level though, is not sustainable. If we need him to get that much of the pass offense every week to have a good fantasy outing, 
then he's going to be in trouble. And that might make him a sell high. Yeah. I mean, I think again, the jets aren't a very, they're not, they're not a very good team and they don't want to throw to anybody else. I mean, I see on the thing that uh, Elijah Morris says he has zero targets. I see he definitely had one because he dropped a third down ball that Zach Wilson threw three feet over his head uh, that hit, hit, hit him in the hands. But um, I, I don't necessarily know if I would, I mean, if you can get something really good for him, like if you can get a real wide receiver two for him, then absolutely trade him. Or if you can get an RB two, but I wouldn't mind holding him either for a team that isn't very good and is probably going to have to throw the ball a lot. You know, they, they, they lose Brees Hall. James Robinson is not the running back Brees Hall is. So they're not really going to be able to rely on the run game much. Now they ran really, really well yesterday, but this was the bills JV defense. I mean, they didn't have Matt Milano. They didn't have most of their secondary. So, um, and they're not, and the bills aren't a very good run defense. Anyways, they just rely on getting ahead and making you pass. So, um, so yeah, I mean, Wilson's a guy that I, I'd be okay starting moving forward. Yeah, I, he's not somebody that I would make sure to get rid of. Um, but I, I wouldn't plan on him being an every week starter going forward because I just I, I you can't expect that let that share of the passing offense going forward. And I'm not sure how much numbers wise overall we can expect from the Jets. So I, I don't know. I, I don't want to overstate it and say that. Garrett Wilson's not going to do this again because he just had two really good games in a row. And again, he's very good. That's the reason that he certainly could be a wide receiver three for you week in, week out going forward. They need to get something else going though to right. correct. I, I, I definitely agree there. Michael Carter split evenly with James Robinson in the second game since the James Robinson trade. Both guys got there for us fantasy wise. They both scored touchdowns, which obviously made it. Carter was the better bet for yardage, which we expected going in. Um, I think Michael Carter is the first one in. I think James Robinson's going to be TD dependent. I'll be surprised if he and Michael Carter are even on the target counts going forward, but maybe that's what the Jets want him to be. I hope not. I hope, I mean, Carter just looks so much better. Robinson just looks like this slow plotting back. Um, they tricked the Bills on a screen pass that Robinson scored on. I mean, it was kind of a easy, it wasn't a walk-in, but it was a pretty easy touchdown for Robinson there because I don't think the Bills thought they were going to throw to him on a screen pass. So, um, But, yeah, Carter looked, looks great. He got to the edge a couple of times, um, and he was an RB2 last year. So uh, he, he can definitely get it done. And we don't want Carter getting a ton of work anyway. So we want him to get, you know, the, the, the stuff that matters. We want him to get the goal line stuff, which you, may, which you probably won't get, but we want him to get a lot of the pass-down work, the two-minute offense, the long down and distance, all that stuff. And I think they'll split that stuff near the goal line, too. I don't think it's going to be – Yep. All James Robinson near the goal line. They get a bye in week 10, an okay schedule overall the rest of the way, but looking ahead to fantasy playoff time, the Jets have the third best running back scoring schedule weeks 15 through 17. If you look at our strength of schedule pages, you can filter out to get those specific weeks. And Adam, I did that week 15 to week 17, third best schedule for this team. And you got to like that, especially for an offense that wants to keep it on the ground if it can. Yeah, that's again. I, w- <laughs> I wish uh, I'll have, I'll have to go do that. It, it is really the, the the coolest option here to be able to filter through through all that stuff. But um, I don't know if you have one and two in front of you. But I wish we could just get a, a an actual backfield that isn't split. Like you know, the Bears, the Dolphins, the Jets. Like, can we get a can we get a workhorse back there that has a really nice schedule at the end of the year? But uh, showing like, your age, baby. Workhorses don't <laughs> exist anymore. There's Derrick Henry, and then there's split backfields. Can, can we get Najee here? Although I think I traded my last Najee Harris 
uh, share share away. But uh, yeah, let's let's. Uh, but no, it's good, great, great for them, and that that's just what you're looking for. It makes those kind of RB two flex guys definitely startable for you. Weeks fifteen to seventeen. Since you asked, yes. I mentioned the Jets are number three, number one, Baltimore. Number oh. two, New Orleans. So we love oh, that. We'll see who the Ravens running back is. And then uh, we've got that Jets pair right behind them. Tennessee, Derrick Henry could be winning some championships at the end of the year. I don't, I don't want to say it. I, injuries got to come. Injuries got to come for Henry. He's 46 years old in football years. Come on. <laughs> uh vikings 20 commanders 17 fine offensive day for minnesota not awesome though dalvin cook got there thanks to a touchdown catch um like other running backs we mentioned along the way limited rushing but it was a tough run defense so not shocking there he dominated the backfield work way ahead of alexander madison so a few weeks ago we were concerned that maybe he was losing receiving work to madison that concern appears to be gone yeah cook looked great i think he scored to at least one got there um yeah, exactly. Madison is really just a straight handcuff and it's such a, it's so weird. Like he's so valuable because when he, when cook is hurt, he's a top five running back every time. So, but he has literally like no standalone value. So, uh, but yeah, cook looks good. Um, and so it's nice to, nice to see that kind of make sense. Um, he got there on, on a, on a receiving score, only, only 47 rushing yards, but but he still he still got there, obviously. So uh, Justin Jefferson also got there. Speaking of touchdowns, scored his his first touchdown since I think week week one, which is impossible. <laughs> but and he actually could have had an even bigger game. He had another fade that got tipped and intercepted. Not a fade, more more of a jump ball. And then he had another one later where he had his hands out in the end zone corner. Of the end zone was kind of ripped out. So he could have had a really mo- monster day. But obviously, you're starting Jefferson every week, and he he got there for you. TJ Hawkinson was a big story coming into this one because he get just got traded from Detroit, a surprise trade. I don't nobody was talking about him being on the move. And all the Sunday morning buzz was uh, he's he got in the playbook right away. He's going to be more involved than you guys think. He matched his season high of snap share from week one against Detroit, played 91% of the snaps in his Vikings debut, nine targets, second on the team. Also his second most of the season caught all nine of them for 70 yards. Looks like we're starting TJ Hawkinson the rest of the way. Have to. I mean, he has to feel so disrespected. He he gets drafted highly by, by a team, then traded in the division after probably feeling super underutilized on the Lions by a coach that played it's a tight end. So it's almost like you're thinking, like, wait a minute, is there something wrong with Hawkinson if the Lions are trading him in the division by a coach that was playing tight end, like he would know the position really well? Nope. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what they were thinking. They just wanted to draft picks in the rebuilding, I guess. But uh, yeah, Hawkinson looked great, nine for nine, as far as catches are concerned. This is not great news for Thielen, although I think Thielen will still be a, a thing around the, around the goal line. But not great news for Thielen go, going forward, but great news for, 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 for Hawkinson. On the commander's side, the offense stunk. We knew that that was a possibility. Taylor Heineke, 149 passing yards in this one. And a third of that came on an absurd (laughs) 49-yard touchdown to Curtis Samuel. It really had absolutely no business being a completion. No, it was so stupid. Triple coverage and four defenders, if you want to include the referee who was down there tripping up. No, he was, he was playing the pick, man. He should have been called for OPI. Oh my God. I want to, I want to check his DraftKings account. Okay. I want to see what that referee, like that was so stupid throws into quadruple coverage. And of course, Samuel Cook comes down with it. I think that was like Samuel's like only catch of the game uh, touchdown, but, but Hey, I had to, I was forced to start Heineke in a league 
during Ben again. So I was okay with it kind of. Um, but, but yeah, just the offense stunk as a whole Gibson, only three targets. One was on the final play of the game, uh, which, which he picked up 11 yards and, uh, it was still second on the team in targets with, with three. So again, the target shares there, but this was a game where you're thinking like, Oh man, they could get behind. This could be get you know, he doesn't got to deal with JD McKissick. Brian Robinson is one of the worst running backs in the league. Like he's going to get heavily involved. I think Robinson saw two, saw two targets. So it's just, of course, one of those games where he finally could get a, like a, not, not a workhorse role, but like a, a good role, maybe six, seven targets. And so it just didn't happen. But uh, it, JD McKissick, I think it's a neck issue maybe. And he, you know, those things can, uh, can pop up and, and, and end guys seasons just like that. So obviously he had a neck injury a couple of years ago too. I think he did. Yeah. Yeah. So this could end his season. Obviously we're not rooting for JD McKissick to not play football again, but if you're an, if you're a Gibson owner, even if you're a, a Brian Robinson owner, um, you know, not having McKissick there would be, would be really good. I wonder if there's a site that I can check the injury history. That's on right. Judy I McKissick. think there's one out there. <laughs> See if I am right about that. Yeah. Um, I just did a search JD McKissick injury history came up with the draft sharks results 2019. Yeah. It was a neck stinger in December of 2019. So I don't know, maybe that's not uh, related to this one. But it's it's certainly not a good thing that you have right. a neck injury in your history. So we'll see where he goes. Was out for this game. Brian Robinson, Antonio Gibson split. We did get four targets for Curtis Samuel, three catches, but almost all of his production came on that one play. So if you've got Curtis Samuel and you're like, okay, he was fine. I would like more targets, but he still got there. Try to sell him because he did. He barely got there. He should not have gotten there in this game. Terry McLaurin, however, did lead the team in targets for the second straight game. Um, you know, benefits in that way from Taylor Heineke being there, just five catches, 56 yards though, uh, certainly doesn't benefit overall for Taylor Heineke being his quarterback. And we'll see what happens with this team. Once Carson Wentz is back healthy. Yeah. I mean, I, I'd I'd still rather have Heineke out there, but, uh, for, for all the other weapons concerned, but yeah, it was me, Sam Ellinger. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, it was just, yeah. McLaurin still, still the best best receiver there but um he didn't he didn't quite get there but you know we'll hopefully he's got some more big games in him moving forward and kind of back to the to the running back situation there you know um micah hyde had a, had a neck stinger that turned into an out for the year injury for the bills earlier in the year i, I might go try to trade for an, an antonio gibson for, on the cheap before mckissick if he gets put on the, in the ir because uh gibson's probably a low-end rb2 um, if McKissick's out. And so you could probably get him for nothing right now. As long as it's very cheap. Otherwise I wouldn't be going to target pieces of this Washington offense right now. I get it. But I mean, for a bad, you know, a team that's bad generally, I mean, it's always, this is, this is the situation we've been, we've been waiting for would be a two running back situation in Washington. And Brian Robinson, again, isn't good at all at anything. So like Gibson could, could lead the team in carries by maybe one or two and also lead the team, uh, lead their backfield in targets, which is what you want. Mm-hmm. Seahawks 31 Cardinals 21. You're going to have to adjust for the Seahawks defense going forward. They allow just 14 points in this game. A first drive touchdown to Deandre Hopkins, a Zach Ertz touchdown with three thirty-two left in the game. And in between the Cardinals did not do a whole lot. Their only other scoring came on a Zayvon Collins pick six in the third quarter. Kyler Murray, 
five yards per pass attempt against Seattle, five sacks, two fumbles. The Cardinals fumbled three times in total. They only lost one of them, so it doesn't show up so much in the turnovers category, but clearly a, a point of struggle for them. We did get James Conner back, and he dominated backfield playing time, which is nice to see. Nothing much on the numbers front because they were trailing and because they just couldn't generate a whole lot of yardage in general. Yeah, it was a weird they, – they came out gangbusters, moved right down the field, scored a touchdown on their opening drive for I think the first time uh, all, all year. You know, they were slinging Hopkins. I think Hopkins only ended the game with five targets – I feel like he had all five targets in the first drive of the game. I mean, they were, they were, they were awesome. They were, they were clicking, um, you know, Rondale Moore, 30% of the target share. Um, he's been doing really well since Marquise Brown was out. So, um, you know, nice to see him get going. He's certainly a flex, a flex start until Marquise Brown comes back. And like you said, Connor was RB 20 on, on the week saved by five catches, but he was their clearly, clearly back. He's going to get the goal line work. He, he, he basically went back to his starter role, uh, heavily involved in the passing game. So that's good to see there. Um, and also Robbie Anderson sucks. I mean, he's just, <laughs> he runs, he runs this in route and I don't even care about Robbie Anderson. I care about K- Kyler Murray. He runs, it's like third down. He runs this in route. He's wide open. Hit, hits, hits him right in the hands, drops it. Then, then later on, you know, he's, uh, he, he's called for offsides or moving before the snap on a touchdown pass. To, to, to Hopkins, of course. Uh, so yeah, it's just, he's just so terrible. I can't wait for Marquise Brown to come back, get this idiot off, off, off the field. So, uh, so yeah, but the offense again, had like two good drives all, all game. Kyler Murray, QB eight on, on, on the week. So he still didn't, didn't kill you. Uh, he had 19 fantasy points, but we'd like to see more out of him in a shootout. We have three games of Robbie Anderson with the Cardinals so far. We've got seven targets, one catch for minus four yards. Get him out uh, of there. It's, uh, it's nuts. Zach Ertz, we like that he got us He got us enough fantasy points in this one. The Seahawks have been a positive matchup for tight ends. So we'll keep that in mind going forward. Kate Otten and the Buccaneers in week 10 in Germany if we have no Cameron Brait back. So we'll watch that situation um, for fantasy uh, yeah, you mentioned Hopkins tying Connor and targets, a uh, disappointing game for him, but Seahawks D is for real. I believe them after the way they've played the past four weeks. And again, they're the ones who face the Bucks in week 10 in Germany. The Bucks are definitely not playing particularly well on offense. So I'd be a little bit worried about my Bucks offensive players heading into this matchup in week 10. Yeah, for, for, for sure. Like you said, the Seahawks D was for real. I picked up everywhere. Five sacks, a fumble recovery. Um, nice, ni- nice start for, for them. Kenneth Walker, 26 carries, 109 yards, two touchdowns on the ground. It, like punched that first one. I don't know if it was the first one or the second one. Punched one of them across the goal line uh, on a play that really probably should have been stopped. It was like he ran through a fence to score it. Um, <laughs> but you love the way that they're using him. And Geno Smith, just like good again. He's not not a monster ceiling quarterback, but 76.5% completions, 275 yards, touchdowns to Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. They're efficient. It's it's fun to see. I love it. I love having pieces of this offense. I mean, Lockett and Metcalf only saw six and five targets, which you don't like to see, but they were winning most of this game. So that And Walker's just so good. You know, I, I might be one of the few people, I don't want Kenneth Walker getting 30 touches. Like, I'm just so afraid he's going to get, he's going to get hurt. He's not Derek, Derek Henry. He's not, you know, six foot five, 312 pounds. You know, he's, he's still a rock solid, you know, prototypical size back, but give me 
targets, give me receptions. Like I don't want a guy smashing into other players 30 times a game, unless it's the fantasy playoffs that you could do whatever you want. But, uh, but yeah, he looks good. They're using him correctly. Um, Gino had a really bad pick six, but looked good. Otherwise, uh, no, no, fan sighting six, six targets tied, tied for the team lead. You know, he's, he's involved in a trade where you trade away Russell Wilson, then you never really use him. So it was nice to see him get involved there. Not that anybody was probably starting him, but, uh, but yeah, this offense is, looks good. You can start a lot of pieces on that on this offense. So you're not down with the three yards and a cloud of rubber pellets offense here. No. No, no, no. <laughs> we'll move on to the Buccaneers and the Rams. We had the last second touchdown to Kate Otten to win this game. Tom Brady, 58 pass attempts, a season high. It's the third time this year he's topped 50 attempts, only 280 yards, which by itself is a fine total, but it's not a good total when you attempt 58 passes, 4.83 yards per attempt. He's been under seven yards per attempt in four of the past five games. He's at 6.4 yards per attempt for the year. So not an efficient passing offense. The volume should be good enough to keep Mike Evans and Chris Godwin starting for us comfortably, but it it continues to disappoint overall. Yeah. I mean, both these offenses suck, you know, no speed, no big plays. I mean, Cooper cup scored on like a 70 yarder. I know we're talking about the box, but he scored on a 70 yarder, but it it was more bad defense than, than it really was. Anything else? But yeah, Godwin and Evans are fine. Wide receiver twos, you know, Godwin made an insane like shoelace catch, uh, literally at his shoelaces. Um, so they're fine skill wise. It's just this offense is so bad. There's just no speed on, on this offense. There's no run after catch. There's no, you know, they're they're not like running crossing routes where guys are picking up. It's just, it just looks, it just looks, it looks gross. But you, but like you said, the passing volume is gonna is gonna keep these guys startable. Um, you know, the only guy with speed on this team is Scotty Miller and he mm-hmm. drops a freaking game winning touchdown. Is there a drop the, that bounces off your face? <laughs> That's right. But Before your speed it? doesn't matter when you, when, <laughs> when the ball bounces off your face to win, to, to win the game. Now they ended up winning the game anyways, but, uh, but yeah, just so bad. They did at least face a talented defense. I know the Rams haven't been, uh, you know, brick wall defense mm-hmm. the So it, it, at least there's talent there. They get the tough Seattle defense in week 10, which is legitimately a worry for these offensive guys. We're going to be starting Chris Godwin, and Mike Evans, but you know, again, don't, don't expect a huge week. Kate Otten's the one to watch as a potential um, starter for that matchup, especially if Cameron Brait remains out, which he was out for this one. Rashad White, Beat Leonard Fournette in rushing yards in this game, but Fournette continued to dominate playing time, and it remains an inefficient run game for an offense that does not want to run the ball any more than it absolutely has to. So, I don't know. It's guys that you hope not to use, but there's at least, I guess, White's getting enough work that if you're stuck, you can play him and hope that he lucks into a touchdown. Yeah, I mean, I would never want to start Rashad Rashad White. I mean, even even Vaughn was getting work yesterday uh, for the Bucs. So, I mean he's he's got the most minimal standalone value you can have for a backup backup running back on the Rams side you mentioned cooper cup and he was the offense 77 percent of the rams receiving yards despite playing on a sprained ankle like he's a god but it all is also i mean it's amazing how bad the rams offense got between winning the super bowl and this year it's just not it's not coming back yeah, no. Apparently, it was it was Robert Woods and Odell Beckham were apparently the keys <laughs> the keys to this offense. I mean, uh, Henderson is the best back on the team, and he's not very good. Their O line stinks. 
Um, and so, and, and you know, they're never really winning games where they can just rely on trying to hand the ball off to kind of run the clock out. And so, you know, they're just going to use him for play action passing, which is fine. You know, cups incredible. You're starting him every week. You're excited to start him every week because they just, they love going to him. Stafford loves going to him. And so that's great. A Rob six targets made some unbelievable catches, but you know, didn't get any red zone targets. Um, and just isn't involved in any downfield passing game. So he's, He's not going to be a top 30 wide receiver moving, moving forward if he's not getting end zone, end zone targets. But again, he made a leaping catch in double, triple coverage. He made a diving catch on the sideline. So he's there. Stafford just doesn't, doesn't like him. We'll see moving forward on that. Um, but And then Higby left hurt again, came back in and out, and is blocking, like we said before. So um, uh I think I suggest did I suggest Higby over Rondell Moore in a, in a in a text message over the weekend? I hope I didn't do that. It might but, have been you and me saying Higby uh, and Jared and Kevin were saying Rondell Moore, but I mean, you know, oh. if I'd known he was gonna get hurt, then <laughs> <laughs> well, he's also staying in blocking though too a lot. Yeah. So that that's really because their old line stinks. So that's really killing um killing him moving forward. So uh Rondell Moore over Higby moving forward. <laughs> yeah, there you go. We'll be on the side of that too, especially now that we know that Cliff Kingsbury will at least leave Rondale Moore in the slot and is capable of sending targets towards somebody besides DeAndre Hopkins as much as it is uh, his planning over the decision. Daryl Henderson, 12 carries for 56 yards in this one, you know, looked solid from that standpoint, but Malcolm Brown also ran one more route. We had Cam Akers return to the team uh, for five meaningless carries. So he got back to midseason form. Ronnie Rivers evaporated. Like it's a backfield where you don't want to use anything, but if you have to, then it's Daryl Henderson. Yeah. What happened to McVay getting the running backs involved in the passing game? Like I just, I know he's not Todd Gurley, but like they used to get Todd Gurley. You should get every starting running back, even Daryl Henderson last year. They would they get them involved in these screen games and stuff like that, misdirection stuff, you know, fake the jet sweep, screen to the running back. Like there's just none of that going on. It's just, it's just they can't get anything. It's like what <laughs> I'm old enough to remember when Rams versus Bucks was a great freaking game to watch. High scoring stuff everywhere. Within six months, it's unbearable. No one knows what they're doing. Uh, Daryl Henderson, by the way, this was his season high in rushing yardage. Uh, and what he had day. five targets back in week one, 13 carries, five targets in that loss to the bills. So it's not ancient history that we get rushing and receiving. It just doesn't look like it's present day either. Right. Let's move on to chiefs of Titans, which is more fun to talk about overtime game Sunday night. The passing game will be non-existent for the Titans as long as Ryan Tannehill's out. It's barely existent when Ryan Tannehill's there, but right. clearly when he's out, it's just not part of the thing and it's not all Malik Willis's fault he threw a really nice sideline ball to Nick Westbrook Akine at one point it just got dropped yeah yeah I mean he's just he's not the answer right now I mean give him some time and I don't think they wanted him to 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 play right now (laughs) Tannehill gets hurt but that's kind of how it works in the NFL man you kind of get thrown into the fire but he's not ready and so I was thinking even at the end of the game when they had to score, they should have just kept handing them on the Derrick Henry. I mean, a better chance than what, I mean, he's running around back there. Like he re- refused, like the ball is glued to his hand. Like he refuses to, you throw a pick, the game's over. So what, but you're running around back there losing 15 yards a pop. So he's not ready, but whatever. There's not much to say about the Titans. It's Derrick Henry or nothing uh, for the rest of the year. So that's all we have to talk about is Derrick Henry uh, for them. I could hear you on the first play from scrimmage yes. on the Chiefs side, Kadarius <laughs> Tony 
caught a pass the very first snap that and then he played eight more snaps for the game saw one more target sixth among chiefs wideouts in playing time for that game again i can't be too upset about it because it's it's not like he was out there the whole game and they weren't throwing him the ball because then we'd be like why did you go get him to play him and not use it? he clearly that this was the plan going in he you know he's just he's still learning the offense he's only been there a week and it's you know Kadarius Tony, there's a reason why the Giants didn't like him. I don't know what it is, but you know, it's not like he's some like wizard and gonna learn the playbook probably in four days anyway. So I don't know. He seems like the studious. I'm sure. I'm sure he's uh, up late in that playbook, making sure that he learns everything he possibly can. Right. Right. So I mean, between that and his rap and his rap career. I'm sure he's in there, but again, so at least, Hey, they put him out to the first play. Hey, we're going to get him involved in a design play screen. He's super quick. Uh, they, they, they gave him up one later, but disappointing there for the people who, who tried to get Tony into their laps. Kelsey and Juju both got there. They didn't score touchdowns, but overtime game where Mahomes throws for 430 or whatever yards that he threw for. It's nice to see uh, Kelsey and Juju still get there. Um, Juju it was wide, is wide receiver eight on the, on the week. Uh, quietly wide receiver 19 on the season with only two, two touchdowns. So uh, I'm assuming he'll score, hoping he'll score more than two in the second half of the year. So you're definitely starting Juju uh, m- moving forward. Cause I don't even think when Tony gets going, I think he is going to hurt like Nicole Hardman more than he's going to hurt Juju. I think Juju's running like those pure receiver outside receiver routes and stuff like that. Like a, like, like a number one receiver would, whereas Tony's going to be more gadgety short range type type stuff. So that's what I think we're moving forward. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't try to trade Juju high here. I don't think that Tony climbs higher than fourth among chiefs wide receivers this year. Cause I don't, I don't see the appeal to trying to get him ahead of Nicole Hardman this year. I think this was a matter of taking a shot on somebody with longer term upside at a reduced cost, but like they already have Nicole Hardman. He's been with the team for several years. He's faster than Kadarius Tony is. Um, so I don't know, I not, not, I'm not expecting anything from Kadarius Tony going forward. Certainly if we get 68 pass attempts from Patrick Mahomes, any further games, everybody who's on the field is going to be supported. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know how you only throw one touchdown pass on 68 pass attempts as Patrick Mahomes. I know he ran for a one and then ran for the two point conversion as well, but one touchdown on 68 pass attempts is insane. Really hard to do. 10 catches apiece for Juju and Travis Kelsey here. Nine for Nicole Hardman. We had eight targets for Jarek McKinnon in this game. Uh, sorry, nine targets for McCall Hardman. Six, uh, six catches. Six catches as well for Jarek McKinnon among eight targets. The backfield split pretty evenly among Jarek McKinnon, Isaiah Pacheco, and Clyde edwards Lair. Nobody could run for anything in this game among Chiefs, but McKinnon had a decent receiving day, and it looks like he's the favorite receiver among the three of them right now, though at least CEH is still somewhat in goal line plans. Yeah, it's just it, they're it's they're unstartable in a sense that you don't know. There's probably one of them that's startable every week, but you have no idea which which one it's going to be. You're going to need an injury there to really kind of siphon out some some of that work. And again, the Chiefs are a lot like the Bills. They get they struggle on offense when they play these shell defenses because they don't want to run the ball. They can't really do it very well because they don't have good running backs on either the bills or the chiefs. And so they're just like, Hey, I'm going to let my all world quarterback drop back and throw 60 something times. And it looked like, you know, it, it, it wouldn't have worked yesterday. If, if the, if the, the Titans had any other quarterback in the NFL on the roster, it's just, 
Malik Willis isn't isn't ready to to play quarterback in the NFL. And so as soon as the Chiefs scored, you like you kind of knew it was over. So um, but yeah, so we'll see. Um, we'll see how 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 that how that does for them moving forward. But they're gonna have again monster games. Uh, this this wasn't even a shootout, and now and they all got there. So um, so yeah, you're obviously starting all your all your Chiefs. Yeah, Tennessee is probably a better defense overall than they get credit for. They play the run a lot tougher than the pass, but overall yeah. they're 11th in football outsiders DVOA. So not a pushover defense. Next week is Jacksonville in Kansas City. The Jags are 27th in pass defense DVOA, so that should be a week for the chiefs to do whatever they want with the pass offense 14th and run defense DVOA. So it could be a matchup that supports the chiefs and not wanting to run the ball and throw it as much as they can. Yeah. It's almost too, with these elite offenses, like you just want them to be balanced in these games, like do a little, a little bit of both when, you know, when, when they can't run or when they can't do one or the other, it really, it really slows them down. Mm. That's going to do it for this episode of the podcast. Our week 10 projections and waiver wire articles for very league formats. will hit the site by midday Tuesday. We will have our rest of the way rankings updated by the end of tonight's Raven Saints game. They feed our exclusive free agent finder, which can help you see exactly who you should add in your specific leagues among the players available. It'll show you all the players that are out there on the market recommend who you should pick up either going by this week's projections or the rest of the season projections. Of course, Wednesday, you'll be able to find Jared's weekly usage report. You'll be able to find pass rate over expected numbers by Timmy Hernandez, my free top plays for underdog pickums. And then Adam, are we going to get a deep end visit with you and Mike that night? Yeah, we'll go deep end on, on Wednesday this week. We'll go through some waiver wire stuff. We'll go through some uh, some of the some of the big topics that happened over the week. Maybe we'll get some more hirings and firings going on here. Uh, and uh, yeah, come on, jump in the chat. And we'll answer any any trade questions or start sit questions. For Adam Krautwurst and the rest of the Draft Sharks crew, I'm Matt Shaw saying thanks so much for swimming with us.